Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. Technology such as AI and cloud computing, they have fueled the spectacular rise of fintech. A report by Deloitte has shown that investments in fintech increased to 131.4 billion US dollars last year. That's actually a huge jump of 144% from 2020. Singapore is one of the global fintech hubs that is recognized and is home to over 40% of all fintech companies in Southeast Asia at about 900 entities. And it's also brought about disruptive innovations to several industries, increasing the demand for fintech talents worldwide. How has fintech growth fueled the need for talent? And how can companies continue to hire tech talent for the region? Harish Sina joins us. He's Chief Technology Officer at global fintech firm Wise. Hi, Harish. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, in Singapore, consumers and businesses are clearly using digital payments on a daily basis and more exponentially as well to pay for goods online and in-store as well. I understand you're experiencing exponential growth as a result. Tell us more about the trends you're seeing in the digital payment space. Yeah, definitely the last two years with everything being shut down and moving to online with COVID has pushed businesses and people to go contactless and digital. So I think that's the biggest reason why we've seen the boom in the last few years. And I think once you go contactless, once you go digital, it's so convenient that uh, there's no turning back. So that's why we're seeing this boom and this trend will continue. Along with that, I think overall in Asia, the payment systems are instant and there's more and more access for fintechs to access the payment systems, which drives innovation, which is driving competition. So overall, customers are getting a better experience, and that's why the convenience experience is driving this growth. If you compare this region to the rest of the world, to Europe or to the U.S., what are the main differences that you're seeing? I think the main difference in payments is the different forms of payment types. So QR code payments don't really exist in Europe or U.S. Mostly it's card payments, and it's pretty amazing how QR code payments have cropped up all over Asia, pretty much built on these amazing instant uh, payment rails that the countries have developed so that you can you know, have convenient experiences and they're super cheap. Moving forward, though, what are you anticipating in terms of evolution and growth and consumer needs, of course? Yeah, so I think Asia is still a massive growth focus. I mean, even for us, the region where we are betting long term, and that's why we're continuing to hire a lot of people. We're doubling our team through this year. So we'll have 400 employees in Singapore by the end of this year, and we're hiring at all levels. I think the main thing here is the countries are so different. People don't realize how different Asia is until you spend time here. So every country is different, every local language, every payment system. So overall, the evolution for different countries will happen at a different pace. And that's why to build a great product, you need to hire local people on the local market to have a great product experience. And that's where I think a lot of the work is going to happen. Okay, give me an example of a striking difference among countries. So say between Singapore and another Asian nation that you're in at the moment, what are the most striking differences? Cool, I'll give you one. In Singapore, you can do card payments everywhere and there's no markup on that as a consumer. If you go to Thailand, in a lot of places, if you try to use your card, you will have a 3 to 4% markup on that card payment. So you'll be charging an extra 3 to 4% fee in a lot of places to do a card payment versus if you do a QR code based payment. Mm. Are they planning on changing that at any point? <laughs> I don't know. I think it depends. QR code payments are becoming so ubiquitous. Maybe the card schemes have to think about dropping fees. 
Ah, see. <laughs> so moving forward, what else can happen in this space, really? Some people might say, yeah, OK, this is it. Where else can you go with it? I think the space around international payments and what we invest in is going to be even bigger over the next decade, as I see it. Imagine every business has come up today after COVID. They are waking up and going, I'm going to be international from day one. Nobody wants to be a non-international business and nobody wants to be just an offline business. So immediately you'll have any new business coming up, going to be international and going to be accepting payments online. So that'll drive a new wave of boom where suppliers and you know recipients are going to get paid internationally a lot. Okay, so you mentioned the importance of having local talent. What are the challenges of hiring talent locally in any country, really, at this point? We're hearing so much about skills shortages as well. Yeah, I think the global hiring outlook is pretty different depending on which sector you are in and also what kind of company you are in. In tech, I would say the tech winter is definitely here. Every week you see new companies that are having redundancies or slowing down hiring. But this is mainly driven by the slowing growth for companies, for a lot of companies that hired too fast in the last three years, especially a lot of companies that did well during COVID. They thought the gravy train would keep going. But then when things came back online, they're seeing consumers are shifting some preferences. But these companies also were not profitable. So we, for example, are profitable and we continue to see our growth to be pretty fast and massive across as the international payment space increases. So we continue to hire. But I think it depends from company-specific challenges, the sector you are in and the region you are in. Right, right. So certainly we can't generalize in spite of all the headlines that we're seeing. What were the factors that helped you calibrate your hiring strategy? Because we talked about companies that hired too fast and then found themselves having to cut back on staff. So what exactly are the principles that you apply in your hiring strategy? Yeah, so, you know, about six years ago, we decided that we want to, even though we are a VC-backed business, we will start moving towards being profitable and sustainable. The whole idea here was that we will always be here for our customers and not be ever in a place where we cannot reinvest back in the business. So once we started doing that and our unit economics improved, we were able to say we will hire at a sustainable rate, which means we can always keep our profit margins. We keep driving fees down, but we will be able to sustainably grow, which means that we hire at the rate which we can onboard and we have actually hiring such that we don't take a loss on our profit line. I'm sure you're facing some challenges, though. I did allude to a skills shortage in this region and elsewhere as well. So how do you get the right talent? Yeah, I think actually for us, we've seen that hiring has gotten easier in this market Mm. because previously when there's so much demand, and less supply, there is a skill shortage in especially product and engineering. Um, the, the talent can go everywhere, but now when people are being more picky and looking at more profitable companies, we stand out. So we are actually having a better time and easier time hiring now, whether because we're profitable versus other companies where they may not be profitable. What roles are you looking to fill? What sort of expertise are you looking for? We're hiring for all roles. We're hiring for software engineers, for product managers, analysts, designers, operations, payment operations, even KYC verification operations and CS. Mm. Okay, so the talent issue, I think, has been top of mind for even the Singapore government with the drive to upskill and reskill and getting companies to also invest in the continual training of their staff. How are you managing all of this? Yeah, I mean, this is a general challenge across the globe, but we obviously invest a lot in growing the local talent. 
we had a biggest intake of graduates this year in engineering. And if you think about it, we invest in the market by helping people build businesses together. Uh, once you know how to build the business like WISE, hopefully some of these people will go on to build their own businesses. And you build the ecosystem by building the next founders and the next entrepreneurs who will then hire the next group of people. We have 17 businesses that have already spun out of WISE and gone on to raise Series B companies, Series B rounds. So hopefully we can do some of that in Singapore too as we hire people and they grow through us, our growing business. They go on to hire the next generation of you know, employees as they build their own businesses. I understand that you were named one of the top five places to work in Singapore. What's the talent attraction and retention strategy that you have in place? Yeah, we're very proud of that. I think generally one of the things, the way we work is very different. So here, if you join, you get a lot of autonomy on what you get to work on and you are very close to the customer. So engineers make decisions. Engineers get on phone calls with customers. Yesterday, I hosted a customer dinner where we had 15 top customers in Singapore join us and we had engineers and product people in the room. So you'll actually understand what you're building, how people are using your product and also get feedback directly. I think that really is something we're seeing uh, people uh, aspire to be in a position like that so that they can actually be in that culture versus being more top down and being told what to do. And that has been a differentiator for us. Mm. I talk to a lot of small or medium sized business owners and they tell me that talent tends to gravitate towards more well known names or an exciting startup, you know, that manages to market itself well enough. What's your advice to other companies that are struggling to attract the right talent? Yeah, I mean, marketing and building a brand does matter, but I think the biggest thing that matters is uh, your current employees. So if they feel it's a great place to work, they will recommend their friends to work. So the way we think about it is anybody who joins today, in the next 90 days, if they had a good experience, they will recommend their best three friends who they would want to work with and who, are, who they've worked with who are good. And that's how you build an ecosystem of hiring. Yeah, that does sound about right, Harsh. Thanks for joining us today. Harsh Sinha, Chief Technology Officer at global fintech firm Wise. Thanks for joining us on Primetime. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.